Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. down because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome once again, faithful scholars, to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team talk class in all things concerning advanced Cowboys footballogy. As I said, this is a team talk course, and I, Dr. Rabble Rouser, am joined by the great, the illustrious, the internationally renowned Cowboysologist, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? Well, I am good now, Rabs, because I'm here with you, and uh, I, I feel like I need some support because I've just kind of been down in the dumps and uh, just kind of watching this uh, you no know, championship weekend and just I can't help but thinking about like you know what uh, this could have been us, you know just this this season and this off season to me I'm just I have all kinds of depressed feelings you know mm-hmm. and um, because of you know where I think this team could be headed so I just been down and of course on top of that you have a stretch of six plus months where no football so it's 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 a rough time so I, I try to distract myself. And one of the things I like to do, and I know that you as well are a fan of the cinema, is I like mm-hmm. to wa- I like to watch movies. And I, so I've been watching movies. I I was watching the uh, the Fugitive this week, and mm, yeah, like that movie. It's a I think it's a good movie. Uh, but one thing that I thought was kind of good, interesting about it is it's got not only you know with um you know Harrison Ford's character, but Tommy Lee Jones has such a fantastic character in that movie, and um. Um, and also, and, and I was t- talking to my wife and it's like, you know what, the character, you know, this little, uh, group of cops that they had there was, was so interesting to people that they like, they just, they just, there was more meat on that bone and they turned around and made another movie like the U S marshals with like, mm-hmm. with Tommy Lee Jones and, and everything. And it got me thinking like, you know what, there's been like several movies where like a spinoff character has been just so fantastic that they go ahead and they make another movie about about that person. So I wanted to ask you before I reveal what my favorite is. I want to ask you what is your favorite spin-off movie character uh that you know that they turn around and made a, another movie from. It's you know it's funny because when you first um shared with me that you thought you might want to talk about this, I was at a loss. I couldn't think of one because generally I think that you know most sequels and spin-offs are really just a kind of marketing ploy and a, and a money grab to try to piggyback on something that was successful by a group of people who don't really understand why it was successful in the first place. They just know that it was. Mm-hmm. And then I landed on my answer. I was like, oh my gosh, that of course, that's it. And, it, and to me, it's the clear prohibitive 
favorite. I'm not sure there's there's e- even anything that's second that's remotely in the same um, in the same area, and that is Rogue One. Oh, so for me, you took a great franchise, the er- the first the first you know the first three Star Wars movies, that early the early trilogy, and then you what you did was you created a spinoff from the sort of prequel in some ways to, to the first one of those and incorporated some of those characters, but actually brought in new characters as well. And um, I just, I thought that was um, not only incredibly well done and I, I love, you know, where it ended, which is at the very, oh, yes. it basically ends with the battle where Darth Vader and all the Imperial forces are taking over Princess Leia's ship and we see Princess Leia getting this, this the sacred information that, of course, leads to you know the 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 plans for the Death Star, and and it, it's all based upon one line from the first Star Wars movie where someone says these were acquired at great cost, and then mm. what the great cost is is never explained right, in the movie, yes. and then you see you know the two characters and and how they basically you know and, and all the other people that that basically sacrificed their lives to create the distraction so that can happen all of whom are really interesting characters you know a lot of jedis and, and you know all, all all that all that stuff and there's just great battle scenes and um it took and it took takes me back in some way to like that er like early er star wars feeling with yeah. you know that 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 to me is the best sort of Star Wars moment in the history of the franchise. That's an early part. And I think it's, frankly, I think it's probably, I know a lot of people say that, um, you know, the, the, the second, the second movie is the, is the best one. And it may, it may well be, but I think Rogue One is every bit as good. and may be my favorite of all the Star Wars movies. I think it's really, really well done. So anyway, I, um, I love it. I, I think, and and I remember seeing it with like my wife and one of our friends who's a big Star Wars nut. And at the very end, we were like, "No way, that's so perfect!" You know, it was just a great ending. Put a button on it when you see the the sort of like you know the, the kind of like uh, CGI uh, Princess Leia, the young Carrie Fisher at the end. So it's pretty great. Yeah, that was fantastic. I will say too that um, that Darth Vader scene at the end of that movie has to be probably up there, my top three, top five all-time star wars moments and i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 you know we didn't really get to see darth vader like be a you know a ba in any of those movies really because he didn't really have any like fantastic battle scenes um but that was that was just a great moment where you were like that, that guy's that's guy you know he's 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 pretty he's big, legit yeah, he's legit and that, no, that was <laughs> fantastic great choice i i don't know why it didn't even that escaped me i just i think i always thought of as rogue one one as just one of the one of the Star Wars films, and, and I just snuck, you know, fit it in there between between the two um, uh, series. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. a that's a great mm-hmm. choice. My <clears throat> my favorite. Um, I actually like the um, the movie This Is Forty with Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann. Oh, uh huh. And uh, I like I, I really like those characters in the movie Knocked Up. And uh, and it's and of course I think Judd Apatow did both of those, and he and he's. He's married to Leslie Mann, so. Uh, mm-hmm. and, but I think that was. I really like the characters. I think they did a good job with the characters. I I found both the movies uh, funny, and I, I'm a real big Paul Rudd fan too. I like just like almost everything that he's in. But I thought they did a, a really good job with telling the story of those guys and their kids. Leslie Mann and, and Judd Apatow's kids actually are in 
they play their they they're the little, both the girls are in both movies too. That's their oh, okay. their actual kids, and they they do a fantastic job in the movies as well. But I would say that's probably would be my favorite. I know there's other ones like the the mummy and the scorpion king when basically the mm-hmm. the rock emerged as a, a, a movie star. You know when he tra- mm-hmm. transitioned mm-hmm. from wrestling. I I haven't seen those movies or I haven't seen enough of them to even have any judgment. But I know a lot of people would probably um, point to those too because. It's, they end up making a movie with the rock, you know, with, so yeah, the great choice Rabs. Um, I, I think there's one other one that we haven't mentioned that probably deserves honorable mention because the quality of the movies are very good. And it's also taken from a beloved franchise and that's Creed. Oh yeah. With Michael B. Jordan. Right. right? So he plays like Apollo Creed's son. Um, it's a spinoff, but he's a really interesting character, probably a more, you know, interesting character than, than, you know, his movie father was even, um, and there's actually been what two two Creed movies now? Is that right? That sounds uh, right. And I, think I, so. and I think that they've and they've been you know really solid, really solid movies and really strong performances by Michael B. Jordan. And so I think that that's um, I think another one that has to go on our list. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, there's going to be a lot of movies that make all kinds of lists for me. And uh, you know, I even tweeted this week. I like put out like my top 25 actors and stuff and like some obscure movie that I really enjoyed from them. And so, I mean, if anybody out there has any movies that you think just doesn't get enough credit, um, you know, let me know. You, you could find me on Twitter at Danny Phantom 24 Rabs. He'll be in the dark on that one though. I'll just have to tell him about any, any great suggestions. Um, yeah, I've been banned from Twitter for sending, uh, you know, ter- terrible, horrible things to Elon Musk in the mail. <laughs> um, but this is, as you were saying, you know, you've been making lists. This is the time of the year where we make lists, right? This is the off season. Um, and so we're going to continue our look at the Cowboys spine. Um, if you are a regular listener, you may remember that last week we began that, but there was so much to talk about that we basically had a chance to talk about the owner, the GM, and the head coach. And we're going to pick that back up today and talk about the uh, offensive coordinator slash offensive brain trust. And then, of course, the quarterback. Uh, but there's also some news that's been going about that I think we want to uh, discuss as well because it, I think it pertains to mm-hmm. the rest of this discussion. However, before we get into that, um, you know, you know me, I like to cook a lot. And um, that combined with the fact that folks have been, as they oftentimes do this time of year, returning back to this, the Cowboys haven't won in X number of years. The one constant factor there. Uh, is the Joneses, particularly Jerry Jones, and um, and people are like, you know, what can we do to change the organization? The response is always, don't buy anything, don't participate, don't get tickets, don't don't put money in Jerry's pocket because if you stop putting stop putting money in Jerry's pocket, that's the one thing that's going to get him to listen. It makes me think a lot about the fact that I've made a conscious decision for years not to buy any cowboy swag. I just don't buy cowboy swag because I don't. I love the Cowboys. I don't care for the owner, and I don't want to um, continue to put money in his pocket. Um, And so all the Cowboys artifacts I have fall into two categories. Uh, Oftentimes those categories overlap. One is that they are getting threadbare and old, and the other is that um, they were gifted to me. Mm. So I have a Cowboys mug. I have a, you know couple cowboys jerseys one of the great cowboys gifts i got in the past was i got a really cool like 90 in the early 90s got a cool like you know cowboys um like down jacket that was awesome totally out of style now i can't wear it anymore i haven't had it in years but 
I mentioned cooking at the beginning. I also have been gifted a cowboy's apron that has my name and the cowboy's logo on it. And, and I was cooking the other day, wearing it, thinking, oh, this is a great piece of this. I mean, it's a really high quality apron. It's awesome. And like the embroidery on it with, with my name and everything, it's, it's super cool. I, I, I love it. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's basically like the quintessential outdoor barbecue apron for the Cowboys fan. And it's probably in terms of the things that I've still, that I still own my, favorite and best piece of Cowboys swag. So I wanted to hear from you. Like, I know you're a guy who's got some Cowboy swag. I'm looking at you right now on, on our on our Zoom call, and you've got some Cowboy swag in the background right behind you. So I know you're not a swagless fan. What's your favorite piece of Cowboy swag that somebody has gifted you? Because I think the thing about the apron is I, I believe it was either a gift from my wife or maybe even my wife's mom who uh, does a lot of cooking and also knows that I like the Cowboys. Well, first off, I think that you, that is a pretty cool gift that you have, especially when it's personalized and has your name on it too. I like things that are personalized and, um, you know, it just, it, it kind of just makes it feel better. My wife, she's, she's crafty. She likes to make things. Uh, I, one of the things I like is she, she put together this puzzle of, of like the stadium that I have uh, at work at my desk. And she also made me, my little, uh, as you can see here, my baby got Dak uh, coffee <laughs> nice. that I love. and uh, But I will say that my favorite piece of swag here is a, a, a new piece. This was given to me by my mom Christmas present. This is just a Cowboys you know, cooler. Oh, and, that is boss. And the reason I love this is, is because I have, a, I have a, a fun little story about it. And as you know, I kind of invite conflict, invite, you know, discussion or whatever is you that's not entirely new to me no no. i know that's not new to you but i so (laughs) i i like to 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 walk into when i'll take this thing and i'll go play poker with it and i'll put my you know a few beers that i have and then and but of course people see me with stuff and and of course when i walk into a new meeting or something usually i got something cowboys on and it, it just and just invites discussion and invites people to try to take shots and i'm i am as a longtime fan very uh prepared for those moments um i have my arsenal ready too but one of my favorite memories you know in that i in my life really is one night when we were playing poker and there was this one guy that was new to the game and or new to this group and he was pretty pretty uh, obnoxious i'd say um and he would just he was trash talking everybody and it was just fine. It's poker. It's what you, you do. You know, you, you have that fun, but he was really going at it with the Cowboys, you know, going at it pretty hard. This was like 2021, um, in the summertime. And, um, he, he's the one thing though, that he made a mistake. And he said, one thing I just don't like about Cowboys fans is I just think that they're fake. You know, these guys, they don't, they don't know even who's on their team. And then, so I, I at that point asked him, like, well, can you name, you know, 20 Seahawks players? Because he was a Seahawks fan. And, and he couldn't. And then he came back with me and he said, well, can you name 20 Cowboys players? And it just so happened, this was like toward when we ever, I was, you know, getting ready to come up to Oxnard for my first time ever. And you I You knew everybody on the roster, baby. I knew baby. everybody. And you may have heard this story before. I was like, um, but, and I, then I came back with that and I said, I, I knew everybody on the roster. And of course, that had everyone's ears perk up. And, you know, there were side bets going on and at, people were pulling up on their phones, the Cowboys roster. And I was like naming like the long snap. I mean, there was, it was, 
I, you know, I felt pretty good at that moment because it's just like, hey, you know what? I am a legit fan. This is not a fake fan. Mm-hmm. And and people were, you know, impressed with the fact that, you know, you could, when you get past 50 players and stuff, I mean, I would mm-hmm. say, I would say, you know, your team. So anyway, that was just one of my favorite moments is, is, as I just kind of put a stamp on my fandom. And, but it doesn't happen if, if people, you know, they don't know that you're a fan. And I, I, anytime I walk into a room, people will learn that about me right away because of, usually some type of Cowboys swag that I have. I love it. I love it. And for those of you who uh, aren't fortunate enough to have just seen what uh, Dr. Phantom was brandishing, um, I think it probably is a good thing because you would be absolutely beside yourself with jealousy at the cool Cowboys cooler. He just, he just flashed it. I'm, I'm actually rethinking my whole, like, don't, don't invest in Cowboys swag uh, philosophy after having seen it. Um, but I'll tell you one thing we're not going to have to reinvest in, and that's our, our process of investigating other teams and applying that to our boys mm-hmm. and particularly the kind of spine. So I know we picked that up last week. We, that we always start with the owner and work our way through what we have deemed to be the most important people in any organization as a way to judge the strength and health of an organization. So just to reiterate, if anybody's listening for the first time, we start with the owner. We talk about the general manager. We then talk about the head coach and then the offensive coordinator and the quarterback. Okay. So we, last time we got through the first three of those positions, we understand that the fourth position is also in some ways the third, but we kind of wanted to uh, break Mike McCarthy's role up into two for the purposes of analyses of our analyses. So let's just start there. Shall we, my friend? Um, let's talk about the offensive brain trust and uh, what we think of the Cowboys offensive coordinator. And so I think we're looking at Mike McCarthy as the kind of play caller, but also potentially Brian Schottenheimer as the, you know, sort of uh, offensive coordinator in name, but also potentially as a, you know, a thought partner slash running game coordinator, whatever he might actually be. What do you think of the, Cowboys offensive coordination. Why don't you start us off and, and um, you know, set us straight here. So one thing I will say is that I can't distinguish between Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer as far as who's doing what. So, I mean, I, I can't put blame or credit to one person versus the next. So I uh, will refer to these guys as McCarthenheimer. That's just because mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the combination of them. And I will say this, when I first heard uh, Schottenheimer speak about, like, you know, what they're going to do, I was very pleased to hear that he's like, he already recognized that what Kellen Moore was doing was was working to a great extent for the for the Dallas Cowboys. So he, he even just came out and said, like, we're not going to be reinventing any wheels here. We're going to be, we know uh, we got a good, good thing going here. We're going to probably see some small you know, wrinkles here and there. And that's, that will be the Cowboys new offense. So I was happy to hear that. What I was not happy is that when the Cowboys first started out, the offense seemed, you know, whatever install they were putting together seemed a little choppy. It wasn't, they didn't seem like they had their act together early on. Um, You know, so, I mean, you look at the first five weeks, you know, they, they were just, very bland and you know we all have our own explanation for why we think that is but i just thought that if this i mean this is this is their first shot at like kind of trying to make do a little makeover of this cowboys offense and first five weeks and you got you're already having to go back and and reevaluate things i i think that was not 
good. Um, so, but things did improve. Uh, they started to add some wrinkles. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really had an issue with the the consistency that with the, with this offense. Like you would have moments where I think Brandon Cooks is a great example. Um, there's no he was fantastic sometimes and then just completely invisible other times. I don't understand that. I feel like the Cowboys forced Noah Brown last year more than what we were getting out of Brandon Cooks at times. It's like, wh- you have weapons now. Why aren't these guys being used? Um, it just it was confusing to me that you had such a good combination of players that just sometimes just were MIA. Didn't understand it. And, of course, I think probably the most aggravating thing is, I don't know how to categorize this, but um, when we talk about pre-snap, pre-snap motion, um, I felt like they were just kind of, winging it at times um they weren't prepared from the get-go uh and they were out of sorts uh, many times to basically and where they even had to call it off at games because they were just committing too many penalties and stuff and i just felt like they it just seemed i don't want to say lazy but it just seemed like a, a big fail where you you had something that was going to help the offense but you couldn't get it to work and you just had to abandon it at other times and i just overall i was not um, very satisfied with the, the changes. I, I know that this offense is good and they had success and they have some good players. And so I'm not surprised about the offensive success, but I would, if, if you're ex- asking me, is this like, is this the, the step you wanted to take moving on from Kellamore? I would just say, I don't necessarily know that that's the case. Um, mm-hmm. It's all, it's almost, very similar to me, Rabs, with the one lone exception is the Cowboys this season didn't know how to run the ball. And Kellen Moore did last year. They they weren't great and they had issues at times, but he adjusted and then found ways to have success more often than what the, the Cowboys this year in the running game. It was just like, we can't even do it. We just can't even do yeah. it. And so yeah. that's there. There, I'm off my soapbox there with my uh, with McCarthenheimer. So, what, what do you what? How are you feeling about this? So, t- two responses. One is to the to the. I think I want to um, talk about the running game as well. So, a uh, couple things. The first is the idea of um, changing things after the buy. I'm not sure how much I buy into that. Because I think we were seeing a decent amount of motion. We were seeing a decent amount of, of offensive wrinkles in training camp when we when we were there for those practices. So I don't I, not as much as the teams, you know, who use a lot of motions and who use motion very intentionally to create space. So so I think that that's that's an important caveat here is the Cowboys, even when they used a lot of motion, they didn't use motion in quite the same sort of intentional ways as guys who are from the the Shanahan slash McVay coaching tree who use motion to create space. And that and, and they use it very intentionally and it it really makes it difficult to um to defend. Okay, so the Cowboys I think began to use more motion later. I listened to a podcast this last week with our friend of the pod of our podcast, John owning the great John owning. And one of the things he was talking about was that other teams put in their entire motion package throughout the off season, all through the OTAs and into training camp. And so it's, it's, it's deeply ingrained with all of their offensive concepts, their philosophy, everything. The, the players understand it from the a very base level. Cowboys had some low level of motion, but they didn't, they didn't, um, 
incorporate it in that same sort of deep structural level. So when they moved to it, it was great because they were able to move to it. And I have th thoughts about why they were able to move to it after the buy. Um, it wasn't like they brought it in. It's just that I think they, they pulled more motion out of their playbook or plays that involve motion out of the playbook. But the problem is they didn't have probably as much in the playbook and they kind of ran out of ideas. So I think that the, the, one, of the, one of the issues here, one of the limitations of the Cowboys' offensive brain trust is that they are not that elite, high-quality, super um, sort of like cutting-edge offensive minds like the guys we just mentioned, the McVeigh and Shanahan coaching tree guys, Ben Johnson from Detroit, who use motion and use a lot of other concepts to make things easier to get defenders in mismatches where they can't possibly win, where they basically, whichever whichever decision they make, it's the wrong one because the, the ball is going to go the other direction, etc. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I also want to say that the one thing that I think that Mike McCarthy did better than Kellen Moore was to give... Dak Prescott easy button plays, right? I think at least they did a lot better than than Kellen Moore the previous year in 2022. So one of the problems of 2022 is it felt like Kellen, uh, that um, Dak Prescott was always throwing to guys who were not wide open. They weren't scheming guys into easy, you know, wide open situations like a lot of these good these good coordinators do. And Mike McCarthy did a better job of helping Dak do that. And I think he also did a really good job of helping Dak with his internal time clock where he was like one, two, three. Okay. Now we're out of structure. Yeah. So like he, he would hit his back, he would hit his back foot. He knew where to go with the ball. Uh, he would, he would hit a guy Oftentimes that guy was a lot more open than he had been the previous year or two. And, um, and then the ball was out or Dak was, Dak was then operating outside of structure. So his internal clock was a lot better, but I think that 
something happened to this team in big games where the the I think the coaches and the play calling got conservative. I still believe a lot of that had to do with the fact that they didn't believe their offensive line could hold up against better defenses. And I think by extension, and I think maybe in some re- this is also the quarterback was thinking the same thing. The quarterback, and we'll get to him in just a second, would lose uh, technique, particularly his feet, when they played against those teams. And so something's got to be done from an offensive schematic standpoint because we saw it was night and day when they when they were going up against teams where they felt confident they they would open it up and the offense was as good as it's been and Dak was as good as he's ever been. But man, the contrast between those games and the games against higher quality opponents with good defenses, especially teams with good defensive lines or good pass rushes, was stark. Yeah, stark. I um, if we're moving on to Dak now, I I, I think that I, I, first off, I completely agree, and I don't want McCarthy and, and Schottenheimer to take the fall for for Dak's play, uh, like a lot of. You know, people did with Kellen. I thought that what well, I thought mm-hmm. was unjust uh, last season because I do think that Prescott and I think you you made some really important points when it comes to Dak too. And this this part's also a little unsettling as well because mm-hmm. yeah, it's not fun to talk. It's about. not fun to talk about. And uh, because I think that there were times when those guys did did a really good job making uh, Prescott feel comfortable. And mm-hmm. so the stuff they were doing, I thought maybe some of it was a little dummy down, but they kept things easy for Dak. And you know, it's fine. It's, it was working for them. That's what you should be That's doing. That's what you should be doing. Yes. Uh, but the problem is, you know, adversity is always coming. Tough, tough matchups are always coming. And I don't, I don't think, um, you know, they didn't have them ready for it. And I, because let's just recap this thing, you know, Raps, when we start to look at like when things start to come around with San Francisco, you know, things got bad. Dak was bad. Then, you know, moving on to the Chargers, Dak was running for his life. You know, they mm-hmm. they started changing mm-hmm. the offense a bit. But, I mean, I think Dak, he just he flourished when he was able to get into a rhythm. But every time he was thrown into any type of uncomfortable situation, he just would falter. And it was it's frustrating because, you know, you think that, you, you know, you want to blame the, the play calling. And it's like, well, what are they doing? They're just not making things giving him, you know, options and stuff. But some of it was just Prescott himself. I just think he got mm-hmm. too antsy mm-hmm. at times. I think his... He rushed things. He, I think I think we talked, we've talked. we talked about that in the wake of the Green Bay game. Absolutely. He mentally... Ru- and McCarthy said this. He begins to mentally rush things and move faster than he needs to. Yes. I mean, he, his reads become rushed. The, the footwork becomes jittery. His his throws mm-hmm. become off. You know, the, the timing is off. And, you know... I, he, yeah, he's throwing high. He's throwing early. Yeah. The, he's throwing off he's throwing off the wrong foot like his footwork goes out the window and, and, and the relationship between his footwork and his sort his sort of torso and his body center is off it's 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 amazing what happens when he feels that pressure sense of panic i, I think that's the thing that we have to figure out when well, he certainly has to figure that out but i think we as cowboy fans have to figure out like what is that thing because i think we can agree that when he feels that thing He's not the same quarterback. No, he's not. I mean, and, and I think the, the, the clear uh, piece of evidence for me is when you look at Lamb and Cooks and you look at the rapport they had during the season, there were moments when those guys looked like they were had just been playing with each other for years. It was just so 
so mm-hmm. comfortable and just like they're on the same page and it was just it was just remarkable and i mean cooks being even the first year here he just like he he is seamless he came in and it's like he's been doing this with deck for for years but then there were other times when you have cooks and even lamb who's been here for three you know it's it's like like they don't even know what the, the playbook is they're just like so off you know and and, and what, what's the reason for that it's it's dax rhythm you know and that and mm-hmm. i think i think there's the problem and i think it's a dak rhythm problem and i i think when we start to throw doubt at this cowboys team and all the things that we are uncertain about when it comes to like mike mccarthy or or the play calling or whatever or, you know dan quinn and you know and um but and, but i think dak prescott is also at the at the forefront of that too and and that's that's bad i mean that's a bad feeling because mm-hmm. You know, he's our guy and he's, I mean, he's the guy we're committed to and um, it's, you know, you want him to be good in those moments and, you know, he just, he just hasn't been. And this, I think is, is one of the two enduring questions for Cowboys fans. Like you, you end up with a Tony Romo or a Dak Prescott. The thing that we don't appreciate is how rare that is to have quarterback play at that level. Like we are one of the most fortunate franchises in the last 20 something 25 years to have gone from Romo to Prescott yeah. without any interruption yeah. right and both of whom are elite or 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 elite proximate quarterbacks right they're not the, they're not the super elite they're not the rare probably not either of them is a hall of fame type of quarterback they're not the very very top of the game but they're right at that next level and that's an incredible thing, but this is where it gets dangerous because they may not be good and they're certainly not good enough to like lift the team. If the team's having a bad day or, you know, I'm not sure that any of those other quarterbacks are either, but they, they may be more equipped to do that, to begin to make the big play, whatever, but the alternative, and this is the problem we have as Cowboy fans. What's the alternative? The alternative is you go, you get rid of Prescott and you go, searching for someone who's better well what are your chances of finding someone who's better there's usually one or two guys in the league at any time who are better than than the than the prescotts of the world mm-hmm. and there are like five or six prescotts right now right there are like five or six guys who are like prescott and then there's mahomes yeah well yeah we all want a mahomes but i think we're stuck i mean but this is who we have this is who we have and this is i don't even think i mean it's a fair question to ask and you're like you know is there if if there are some true limitations to what these quarterbacks can do in the postseason and they're not getting it done shouldn't we try to venture off and try to at least try to to find one of those because you know you know you're but there's only like one how do you find the one i don't think that's true i mean i think you could maybe two you could matthew stafford can win you a super bowl brock purdy can win you a super jared goff yes can even, yes yes can even yes but dak prescott is those guys he, he is those guys that's the thing but he just hasn't been or he hasn't been able to in 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 the playoffs to where we can get us to uh, those bigger games and he hasn't been mm-hmm. yet because those other quarterbacks and there's a long list of them that have been able to get to those and the, the Joe Burrows and I mean he's mm-hmm. he's probably I think Joe Burrow may be in that elite level. Yeah, he, that's he's true. That's good. true. But I mean there's we know, yeah. we we've seen the quarterbacks that have been in the champion conference championship games and even Super Bowls and stuff that can, that can get it done and. I feel like okay, but okay, but so let's let's break that down for a second because that pertains to where we started this conversation. Who and what coaching tree are the guys you've just mentioned, 
right? Matthew Stafford and Brock Purdy. When they won Super Bowls or when they went to Super Bowls, what coaching tree are they from? Yeah, no, I get it. I know. And so, and so I think the thing about that is Dak Prescott is good enough to win you a Super Bowl if he's playing in an offense that has an elite coordinator. The, the, other thing, the other thing about Mahomes is he's a great talent, but he also happens to be playing his entire NFL career in an offense that's, that's designed by one of the great offensive minds in our lifetime. Right? This was a guy who made Donovan McNabb look good. Yeah. You know he's an incredible offensive mind if he can do that. And so, um, that's a good point. <laughs> You know, I mean, ultimately, we have to look at we have to look at his time in Philadelphia as, as right, right. absolute miracle working to get Donovan McNabb to play like a like a high level quarterback. So, um, I, I think when we talk about about Prescott not being good enough, Prescott's in, absolutely good enough, but he's good enough if the system is one where he also has a, a an elite level running game or at least a, a, a sort of offensive scheme that can generate positive runs even if your offensive line isn't being dominant the cowboys offensive scheme as we and we this is back to what we talked about with the running game uh, if they're not dominant physically like the scheme does not create uh easy buttons in the running game right it was so hard to run the ball the last couple three years and they only did so when they blocked it up perfectly so I think the problem then always goes back to the the kind of offensive coordinator that uh, the Cowboys have and the kind of offensive coordinator slash head coach that the Joneses are willing to hire. So to, to put a kind of button on this for me anyway, the problem I think that we have as Cowboy fans is there's a lot of people in this spine who are good enough to win with if somebody else in the spine is top of the top of the league elite, right? I mean, their GM is top of the league elite, but the the the, the ownership group isn't hiring the people who are top of the league elite at offensive uh, 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 head coach or offensive coordinator. And so, because they're not, the other people can't um, be fully realized. In terms of their, uh, in terms of their ability, and until until the ownership group, which is not going to change, um, is willing to to hire people who are who, who will make them a little uncomfortable, they're going to hire guys who are from the league five years ago as opposed to the league five years from now. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, I'll just go on record saying that I feel like the Cowboys had some of those guys in the recent years, and I I think the Cowboys have had two of their better coordinators on hmm. as far as being on both sides of the ball and and more than they've had in a long time. You have to go back to you know Parcells days with I think would they have like mm -hmm. Peyton Zimmer, I don't know, maybe. Um but uh and I, I feel like you know, and now the Cowboys don't have Kellen Moore and fans maybe they're happy he's gone and now the Cowboys don't have Dan Quinn and again some fans just you know, recency bias the recency bias looms large and they, you know, they mm -hmm. are okay with him gone too. But, but I, I know we're almost out of time, but I wanted to at least touch, talk about this a little bit because Kellen Moore is now going to be calling plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and Dan Quinn is now going to be the head coach of the Washington commanders. They're two of my favorite coaches over the last decade or so are now staying within 
the NFC East. I'm not thrilled about that, but Rabs, do you have any thoughts or concerns about those guys and their new new jobs? Not not terribly terribly. So so the first is I think that there's a reason we look at at who we look at in the spine, and that's because in the long run, defensive performance is always cor- always correlates to the quality of the quarterbacks you play. I don't think it really matters who your defensive coordinator is as long as he's not an absolute disaster like Mike Nolan is. Dan Quinn has been great. I love Dan Quinn as a person. I would go to war with Dan Quinn. I think I love when he speaks. I'm he's the one coach that I will who I will like make time to listen to the interview because I, I really enjoy listening to him speak about his guys. I think his guys love him. Um, I don't know that it really matters that much in the l- larger scheme of things who your defensive coordinator is because it really matters what quarterbacks you play. So that's piece one. Piece two is I'm ambivalent about Kellen Moore. I mean, I think he he did a lot of really great things, but I also think he's not one of those elite guys we're talking about. I don't think there's – in terms of quality, there's differences in terms of their approach. There are differences in terms of the way their offenses are structured, but I don't think there's a difference really in terms of – the overall effectiveness of the offense of, of, of Helen Moore versus Mike McCarthy. They're, they're both second tier coordinators. They're not the kind of guys who use motion in the ways that we were talking about earlier. They're not guys who can generate a running game. Um, even if your offensive line isn't dominant on it, you know, at, at, at every position. And so um, I, I mean, I know, I know the chargers had a lot of injuries and that really kind of, um, ruined Kellen Moore's bid for uh, explosive offense in San Diego. But he also had, you know, a quarterback who many people would put in the Burrow and Mahomes category from a talent perspective yeah. and didn't do much with him. I'm not that concerned about either of them. I don't think either of them – I don't think you can be a difference maker as a defensive coordinator in this league, A. And then, B, I don't believe Kellen Moore – I think he's very good. I don't think he's a difference maker. I think he – happened to be the offensive coordinator in a in a historical moment in which the Cowboys had the the most complete array of offensive talent they've had since well the trip the trip I, I, I hope I hope what you're saying is is the case because if it's not then it's it, I think it's going to be kind of a rough go for for the Cowboys in the next you know two two to three years but I got one final question for you before we wrap things up um you know Jerry Jones talked about how, you know, the Cowboys are going to go all in. And uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, hearing that, I don't know even know what you even think of it. It's like, does it even mean anything to you? But is first off, what does it mean to you? And are you concerned at all by the Cowboys deciding to suddenly become unlike what they've been over the last um, decade or so with the, with the more play play for every season type of approach, mm-hmm. which I want to throw out there, by, by the way, is people talk about these, you know, straight, three straight playoff appearances. You know what? Cowboys, they, they're they're really good about giving themselves a shot every year. So I, every that's year. why, every that's year. why I, I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate the roster building approach that they take. But so, but it may not go down this way this year, Raps. It may be Jerry Jones is going to do something different. And I don't know what all in means to you. What does it mean to you? And, um, are you worried? So what it means to me might be very different than what it means from to Jerry, but for, what it means to me is you you sacrifice future assets for the present, right? Which means you 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 sacrifice cap trouble, you sacrifice uh, draft draft assets, you 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 trade away young players for veterans, you, whatever. You, you sacrifice the future for the now. 
Um, they may well, they may well, they may well end up end up doing that. Um, I, I I'll believe it when I see it because the other piece is that Jerry said lots of things in the off season. Every off season, how much of that stuff comes true? How much? How much can could can we or should we believe? anything jerry jones says because one of the other things he's talked about is as long as there's eyes on the cowboys we're doing our job and um there's you know that the eyes on the cowboys don't have to be because they're winning so i i will say one more thing when the cowboys were all in in the early 2000s they were before before stephen jones wrestled a little control from jerry who's just stephen for all his faults, is probably a more you know reasonable human being. The Cowboys were a disaster, mm-hmm. and the va- and and salary crap tr- cap trouble all the time into the early 2010s because of decisions they made in the 2000s. Right. And so, um, it, if Jerry really does go all in, we should be deeply worried because we should not trust this ownership group to make good decisions yes, that yes. way. And there are so many young players right now who are going to need to get gigantic contracts that to do that to go all in would be absolute financial suicide and we'd end up losing a good player or players as a result yeah i i totally agree and that that that's the part that concerns me a great deal because you know we we both of us we've seen jerry when he's been a little bit more you know, taking risks and stuff and, and it has not gone well at all and i i well, nope. one more thing you know i just wanted to say too is when I look at this Cowboys team and I'm thinking about like and going in hindsight and we start to ask ourselves like, well, what if Jerry would have went all in this past season? I mean, how different would it have looked? I mean, would it, what would we have signed? Would we got Odell Beckham? I mean, would that have been what he would have done? I mean, would an all in move or moves even made a difference? And because I feel like the Cowboys did so many good things to put them in the right position that to where they were all in this year. You know, in many ways, with with the Gilmore and Cook signings, I mean, how much more all in can you get? That was pretty all in for 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 them, you know. And those were fa- those are fantastic moves in my opinion because they're low risk. You're you know you're you're it's it's day three draft capital. It's it's not you know guaranteed money that's like you're tied up. So those moves I'm all for, but I think that if they start to try to if they panic because they don't know what they don't know what's wrong, they don't know what to do, and what they're doing's not working, and they start trying to come up with these miracle moves i just think you're just asking for trouble and i just don't even see like any of those miracle moves even come along and like if we if we were struggling at at one particular spot and they just came and they said well we should have we should have addressed this and this would be up make all the difference then i could say well that's fine but that's not the case the cowboys they got annihilated from all aspects in their last playoff game so there's not even a one move type of fix for this team so I don't know. I I will say this, Rabs. I know I've said a lot of depressing things about my, you know, how I feel about this, you know, team and the direction it's going. But what will make me feel even worse is if the one thing that I put them up on a pedestal for, which is their very responsible ways that they deal with building the roster mm-hmm. and managing the cap, if they just throw caution to the wind there. And I know fans are waiting for it to happen because they just want it. They want that instant satisfaction, and they want they want something. They want the feels. They want they want to chase that feeling. They want to chase we that feeling. This, right? I I think it will just bring me down to even a lower level of sadness, and 
Yeah. I, I, listen, you you want to return to the Dave Campo cowboy era? No. That's the fastest way to get there. Yeah, it does not make for is let, is let Jerry just go rogue and go all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. let him be rogue one no. and see oh, what happens. No. We've seen what happens. It's 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 destruction, and uh, so. Anyways, uh, that is all we have for our show today. Um, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Voice Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, any roster moves that you hope they make when they they go all in, or what is your favorite spinoff movie character that uh, you think that we would enjoy. Like I said, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm dying to know what you think because I'm going to be watching movies this offseason. I'm at Danny Phantom 24 Don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Last is missed.